Welcome to the Modern Manifestation Podcast. I'm your host, Bree Brown, a business mindset coach, entrepreneur, and a top competitor in a male-dominated industry. I'm a native Texan, the youngest of all brothers, and a lettuce-hating, wine-loving, curses-like-a-sailor recovering perfectionist. I've spent over a decade building my commission-based career, and my life's purpose is helping other women achieve the same multi-six-figure success I achieved before I was 25. I have a passion for helping women with mindset, money, and manifestation skills to help every young woman realize her full potential. If you're looking for vulnerable conversations, professional development, inspiration, or even a kick in the ass to get you motivated, you have come to the right place. Thanks for checking out the Modern Manifestation Podcast. Now let's jump right in to today's topic. Hello, everyone. I hope you are having a wonderful week. Today's topic is quite different than what we have touched on before, and today I'm not necessarily going to give you direct tips or conversations about manifestation as much as I want to dive into my story to be a little bit more personal and vulnerable with you guys about my manifestation of my now partner, Evan. And the reason I want to bring this up is because I've seen so many people posting in groups, either social media or via email. The constant question that keeps coming up is, how do I manifest my soulmate or my future partner or my spouse, whatever word you want to use there? And I think the best way to really hit this message home, because to be honest, you can utilize any of the other messages that we talk about in some of my other episodes in order to help you do that. But sometimes hearing someone's real life example of how it worked for them and things that they might not have needed to work through can be all the difference between hearing something and hearing the tips and then actually applying them for yourself. So today, bear with me. I usually like to script things out because I have a tendency to go off on tangents and I'm extremely ADHD by nature. <laughs> so I will just like go off in, in too many different directions at once and I I want to make sure that you're able to follow along. So I normally draft out an outline at the very minimum. And honestly, I'm just coming into today's episode completely without anything to guide me and really just allowing myself to, to come from a place of vulnerability. And in all honesty, today's episode or today's message or story, rather, I haven't shared this story with very many people, let alone publicly. I've definitely never shared this publicly <laughs> But And I'm talking about like the extent of which I'm going to get into this story. And in all honesty, even thinking about doing this episode, it made me realize that I still have things to work through because I felt my heart starting to race and I noticed all the physical signs of stress related to my coming on to talk about this, the full story from the evolution of me in high school to like actually meeting my now partner, Evan. And the reason it's so difficult for me to talk about is because it does go into some embarrassing things for myself that were a part of my journey and the lessons I needed to learn before Evan was then put in front of me. And I want to talk about it because I want to be very open and authentic and vulnerable with you guys because I know that none of us are perfect human beings and sometimes one story might be exactly what someone else needs to hear for whatever reason, maybe for their own healing. So I'm going to get open and vulnerable with you guys today, and I have no doubt that that's going to help bring some healing to me as well to just be very public and open about this particular topic. And also, I'm glad that I've been able to pick up on these physical cues because now I know that I have some things that I need to go work on and that that there are still some things here that are impacting me and why are those things still impacting me. So at the very minimum, I'm just really excited. Excited is maybe not the right word, but grateful for that realization of knowing like there are still some things here for me to iron out and that's okay. And that's just a part of it. As you start to go through these limiting beliefs, you'll start noticing the signs and more and more will come up and it's totally fine to deal with those as they come and not judge yourself for having them. Because more often than not, we have more limiting beliefs than we fail to realize for ourselves. And that's okay. So let's just jump into it. And I'm just going to start right out of the gate with the part that I am most embarrassed may not be the right word, 
But this experience definitely caused the most trauma for me, I would say, in my early teens. And that was that in ninth grade, when I started high school, I was in marching band and I was so excited about going into the world of high school because I was like, there's limitless possibilities. I was just thrilled to be, you know, quote unquote, growing up and being in this much larger school. And I just, everything was so exciting for me. And I was also one of those women that at that point in my life had had several boyfriends already. And the reason for that is, is because anytime a guy showed interest in me, whether or not I liked him, I would usually entertain that individual and probably date them. And up to that point in my life, it was all very much just like, you know, a casual phone call after school, or maybe you'd hold hands on the bus, or like maybe there's a slide kiss in the cheek, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. But I remember being a freshman and had already had like eight or nine boyfriends. And I don't say that to brag by any means. What I'm trying to get at with that is that I had this need to feel wanted by men for some reason. And now as an adult looking back on that, I think it's because, or actually I know it's because, you know, having talked to my therapist about this, that I never got the loving validation that I was looking for from my father. I knew he loved me and I knew that he expressed it in his own way, but I was never given the love and attention that I, that represented to me my self-worth. And so I sought that in relationships. And I'll never forget, this was around the same time in ninth grade. I just broke up with another boyfriend. You know, I was pretty quick to to break up with guys because obviously I was getting into relationships with people I didn't really like a lot of the times. And so I'd just broken up with another boyfriend and my dad was like, you know, you don't always have to have boyfriends, right? And I was just like crushed because here my father is who I put up on a pedestal and he was calling me out on my shit. And he was like, you don't always have to have a boyfriend. And I was just so embarrassed because I was like, wow, like my dad, does he not think I'm worth having a boyfriend? Which I know logically doesn't make sense, but that doesn't mean that that's not how I felt. And then at the same time, I was like, wow, he thinks less than of me because I've had so many boyfriends. And so then I had shame around that. I didn't really have the emotional tools at that time because my family did emotionally repress ourselves and we did not communicate with each other or ourselves. So I didn't have the tools to ask myself things like, why do I feel shame around this? Why do I need to constantly be in a relationship? What is that fueling for me? What am I missing that I'm seeking in all of these relationships? And because I didn't have those tools, I just kind of tried to brush it off. I suppressed it like I would I would do with all my emotions and just moved on to the next relationship because maybe that would fix it. Maybe I could find someone else that would give me the love that I'm craving so desperately. And whatever I needed to do to make that person happy, like I would do it because I need them to tell me I'm worthy. So I'm in ninth grade. I'm so excited about this new phase of my life. And of course, by nature of just this mindset that I had, within the first month of of school, I had my first high school boyfriend. And this relationship was a little different in that now I was in high school. He was an older guy. And that was new and exciting to me because I was like, oh, he's so much more mature. Like, this is this is cool. Maybe this is going to make me worthy. And then I was under pressure of thinking, well, he's older than me. He's used to dating older women. He's used to having sexual encounters. I've never done that before. And yet I want to please this new boyfriend because I want him to know that I'm worthy. I want him to tell me that I'm worthy. And so I started exploring myself a little bit more sexually. I started figuring out, you know, what was it like to make out? What was it like to experience foreplay? Things that I'd never done before. And it was exciting. And a part of me was like, if I just do this, then he'll show me the love that I so desperately want. And looking back on it, I know that I was just, I just send so much love to that girl because I'm like, she was just so emotionally broken and so emotionally stunted that she just couldn't ask for the things that she needed from the people most connected to her. And so she sought that intimacy elsewhere. And in my mind, to to please this person that I was with, I needed to engage in things that I wasn't really ready for. And looking back on it, I was definitely too young for. And yet that's what I felt I needed to do to be accepted. 
And then this is when shit started getting really fucked up for me because this older guy started bragging about it. And he thought that because I was doing these things with him, that surely I had had experience elsewhere. And even though I told him that he was the first that I'd ever interacted with in a sexual manner, obviously I was lying. Every girl says that. And then I started feeling really hurt because he didn't believe me. And he thought that surely I'd done this before, I, you know. And so then he started talking about it with everyone else. And then everyone else jumped on that train of thinking, oh, well, who else are her sexual partners? She's only in ninth grade. Wow, she's such a slut. And then they started talking to him and telling him, you need to break up with her because she is such a slut. The guy that I had my very first sexual encounter with then became the person that told everyone else how many sexual encounters I must have had outside of him. And those rumors caused me to be slut-shamed for the rest of my high school career. All four years, I dealt with that slut-shaming. And the most heartbreaking part of that, and I don't, if you've ever been slut-shamed, you know how much that fucking hurts. Especially when you thought you were doing the one thing that was going to give you the love you were looking for. And instead, that one guy said something to the wrong people. And then you, everyone had this narrative about you being a slut. And the worst part about it is that the girls that ganged up to spread this message were in my Bible study. And so if you've heard any of my other podcast episodes, you probably have already heard that I have trauma around my Christianity that I had. And I would honestly say that this is probably the reason why I no longer believe in religions. I believe very much in spirituality. I consider myself a very spiritual person with a direct link to God in my own way. But I disregard religion entirely because I don't like the rules that someone else puts up around my spirituality. And I don't mean that to offend anyone. So if you are a religious person, that is fine. If that gives you your direct link to God and it is pure, perfect. I'm so glad that that works for you because I think a connection to God is so, so, so important in whatever way that looks like for you. But for me, I had to sever that link with Christianity at that time because the women that claimed to be such workers of God and that were in my Bible study where we were trying to talk about love and all those things were the very same people that told me that I was worthless and a slut and I was dirty and I was unpure. And I remember just feeling so desperate, too, that I hung around with them trying to change their perception of me. And yet they would continue to talk about me in this way and make jokes at my expense. And so then I completely shut down for a long time. And I really tried to protect myself emotionally by not getting into other relationships because I didn't want the perception of that making me a slut. And I remember being so upset as well because... This whole idea about virginity that you hear about in, Christi in, in, the, in the Bible anyway is that a woman's purity is directly related to whether or not she's a virgin. And that did not sit right with me. I was like, why is that only applying more so to the woman than it does to the man? It just did not feel consistent with the thoughts that I had about being an empowered woman and owning my body. And I wasn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that I was totally empowered at that time, but I knew I wanted to be. And I knew that I wanted to be able to decide when to have sex when I wanted it and not to be judged for it. And what was also equally, you know, fucked up at the time is that at this point I was like, well, I haven't actually had sex, so I'm still pure. Please still love me. Please still show me love and affection. And yet I still wasn't getting that. And so in this Bible study that I was a part of, I was really looking to these women to show me love and compassion anyway. And I was met with hate. And they all decided that I was less worthy of God's love because I had had a boyfriend that I'd explored with sexually. And therefore, that gave them every right to be hateful toward me and to be mean and to judge and then they would read Bible verses to me that would basically tell me why I was so worthless. Because as a woman, I was unpure for my, my husband, and therefore that made sure that I was undeserving 
of love and everything that I was seeking. So you can imagine that someone had all this fucked up shit already mentally that was using the men in her life for this purpose of making her feel worthy. That really, really messed with my head. And I was so mad and I got so viscerally upset with my religion because I felt like some white male wrote down in a book thousands of years ago that I had to remain a virgin for my future husband because that's what society expected. That's what God expected. And that your virginity was some fucked up sign of purity and your worth in this world. When in reality, these men probably just wanted more virgins around. And they created this idea that, I mean, even the story of Adam and Eve reinforces the idea that we have to please to be subservient, to have shame for desire or wanting pleasure. And in my mind, there was no way that a pure and loving God would ever give us these bodies that craved pleasure and then say, you can only have it when X, Y, and Z criteria is met. That to me is scarcity and not abundance. That to me is not living in love. And that fear mongering that, that these women were, you know, using this Bible in order to, to, to spread is really what ultimately pushed me out of that particular faith and just into spirituality as a whole. And I didn't want to associate with these women who called themselves good Christian women and yet were some of the meanest, most hateful people I'd ever come across in my life that caused so much emotional pain for me and didn't even care that it was going to impact and follow me for four years and caused me so much significant trauma that honestly, like even right now, my heart is racing and, you know, I've teared up a few times and, and trying to hide it because I'm like, why is this still so viscerally affecting me? But honesty, like seeing those women engage with me in that way and telling me how unworthy I was because this book says that they were right and that I was wrong, that's really what pushed me away from that idea. I wanted to approach my relationships from a place of love, not hate. And my body is a temple. And when I want to engage in sex with a partner or some sort of pleasure with it, then that is my right to do so because this temple was created by God. And therefore, satisfying this temple is an act of God as well. And denying myself something in this crusade of being pure just sounded like the most fucked up bullshit I'd ever heard of in my life. And yet, being told that I was less than by these women affected me so much even into my 20s. So as an example, I got married at a super young age, which I'll get to here in a bit, because I felt like if I was married, then they could no longer call me a slut behind my back. It led to sexual suppression as well. I didn't engage as much in my adult life sexually because I was afraid to. And when I did, I didn't ask for what I wanted. And I wasn't the sexual being that I, I wanted to be. I didn't enjoy it as much because I felt like if I did, I would be, I'd be shameful. I'd be that slut they said I was. This need to be perfect. This need to prove to someone, anyone, that I was still worthy, that I wasn't a slut. And this affected me so much that I actually, the whole reason I changed my name when we got married was because I wanted to run from that person that I was that I thought was unworthy. I never wanted to change my last name. But a huge part of the reason why I did was because I felt like if I changed my last name, this was going to give me a new identity that would ultimately completely separate from that slut. And it took me years later to realize this, but I knew that's why I was doing it. It was because I wanted that separation from who I was and who I was going to be. So my senior year of high school comes. This is about four years later. I've been dealing with this trauma from these people constantly, trying to defend myself. Basically, it changed my entire high school outcome because I was trying to prove how perfect I was and how I wasn't a slut. And so I got summa cum laude because I thought, surely if I show them I'm smart and that I can get good grades, that they won't tell me I'm a slut anymore. Instead, they'll tell me how smart I am. And surely if I join every single high school club there is, then everyone will think of my acts of service and not that I'm a, a slut. And surely if I get this award or that award or this leadership position, then I'm just furthering the fact that I am so much more than a slut. So in a way that benefited me because obviously when it came time to apply for college, all those things were great to have, but it wasn't coming from the right place. It was coming from a, a, a young lady that was just very broken. So senior year comes along, and this is when I meet my partner that I was with for several years afterward. And 
This is the relationship I've talked about in the past where he was verbally abusive, physically abusive, emotionally abusive. And he was someone that for whatever reason I was attracted to because he was rebellious and he went against the norms. And for whatever reason, I thought, okay, this is someone who went to a different school. So he doesn't know about my reputation as a slut. So I can prove to him, and if I can get his approval, then I'm definitely not a slut. And I'm definitely worthy of someone's love. And he was a rebel, which just like, at this point, I just wanted to rebel from a bunch of things. I felt so suppressed that I had all these people telling me what rules I needed to live by because of some fucking book that was written thousands of years ago. And I just felt the need to just like rebel from everything that made me feel like such a shitty person. And so I got a tattoo that same semester. And then one of my um, teachers at school then pulled the Bible out and said, thou shall not alter their temple in any way. And I was like, well, that's a judgy thing for you to say because you have your ears pierced. And that's the same thing as my tattoo. They're both altercations of the body. So why is it that my tattoo is so much more sinful than your pierced ears? I also had a partner at that point tell me that I shouldn't talk back to him because the Bible says that women shouldn't talk back to the men. And so I had all these instances specifically with the Bible just because that's where the people in my life, that's what they were very passionate about. And they were using this device to tell me why I should be suppressed in some way or why I was judged in some way. And so I met this guy and he was just rebelling against everything. His whole family was also very religious, and he was rebelling from that as well. So I think I was ultimately attracted to the fact that he was really just going against the grain and telling everyone to fuck off. And at that point, that's just really what I wanted to do. I was trying to hold together this cookie cutter, perfect person persona, really. And yet he was just like, fuck everyone, giving them the middle finger. I am who I am. And I was so attracted to that because that's something that I I, I really wanted. And so Without getting into the whole big story around that, I ended up losing my virginity to him. Initially, it was just sexual exploration. I had never actually had sex up to this point. And I think a big part of that is because I was trying to prove to everyone, like, well, I'm still a virgin, so I'm still pure in some way. And then when I met him, I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I am so tired of everyone else telling me my worth because of some goddamn dusty old book. So, you know, again... If you are a Christian, I mean no offense to you. This is just the mindset that I was in at that time and the experiences that I had had that led me to this conclusion and that led me to those very visceral emotions I was having at that time. So I lost my virginity to him. And one of the first things he said to me afterward was like, you know, you didn't have to lie about being a virgin to me. And you can just imagine after having the experience that I'd had, I was just fucking crushed. Like I was just how dare he say something like that to me like i had held on to this one piece of me for so long hoping to give it to you know the right person because of this fucked up idea i had that you need to wait for your perfect partner in life in order to let your body feel pleasure because that was what a woman had to do that was our job in this world and then i give it to someone and he tells me i didn't have to lie about not being a virgin and he said this because he was like oh well you didn't bleed when i lost my virginity to him And apparently there's actually quite a percentage of the population that doesn't bleed when they have sex for the first time. And I had spent 16 years at that point dancing, which I've also later, now as an adult, found out that dancing or any type of gymnastics, things that cause you to do extremely flexible things, can actually break your, what is it, your hymen or whatever that thing's called, that does the bleeding in advance. So he was still the person that I had lost my virginity to. And yet then he, there he was telling me that I didn't have to lie And that he was upset. I just wouldn't be honest with him about it. And you can tell me who your other partners were. And that just crushed me. Because here's this person that I thought was just like, fuck the world, fuck the expectations. And I was just like, yeah, I'm into all that. And then I am having a very vulnerable moment with him. And then he just kind of throws everything back in my face that I'd been dealing with. So I was on and off with that in that relationship with him for a couple years. Actually, I think it was about three years. And a part of me was just so embarrassed to admit that because I do like to consider myself a very strong woman who historically I would have said there's no way I'd ever be in that kind of relationship. And yet it starts slowly. It's not like the very first month they show you their true colors. I was dating him for a while before I started to really see this pattern forming. And unfortunately, by then it felt like it was too late because he he 
it's almost like they start conditioning you with like little things here and there that make you feel guilty. And I didn't notice it until it was like we were so far in it. And I was like, holy shit, like I feel like this is abuse, but now I'm embarrassed. And so now I need to try to fix him. Because for whatever reason, I felt like it's my fault that we got here. So if I can fix him, then I can somehow say that this was something I needed to do or I can somehow justify the fact that I got here in the first place. And I was also worried that if I left him, he was going to then go tell everyone that I lied about being a virgin. And that was going to be the same situation I'd already found myself in before. And a huge part of me was terrified about that, too. So I stayed with them for far too longer than I should have, and it really did a number on me. And I'm so thankful that at a certain point, it got so toxic that I had friends that were just like, you are either going to get yourself out of this relationship or we're going to go over there and, you know, not murder him. But you can imagine what your best friends are saying to you at this point when you finally open up and be honest with them. And I wasn't honest with them for a long time. I didn't want to admit it to anyone because it's a shameful thing to feel and experience. And so I got out of that relationship, and I'm I'm so glad that I did. And it took me a long time to really recover from that. And so I didn't date for a while because I was like, I need to figure my shit out. <laughs> you know, what allowed me to get to that place? And why did I stay for so long? I had to have these questions with myself. And are we okay? You know, I didn't know if I was okay afterward. And so I didn't date for a while until at a certain point, I felt like I was finally ready. So then at this time, they didn't have Tinder yet. So it was a bunch of other platforms like Plenty of Fish and OkCupid and, you know, whatever those other apps were at the time. And so then I started finding other guys to to date and was really just trying to figure out what dating as an adult felt like when you weren't in an abusive relationship. And I was learning things like, you know, what are boundaries? How do you communicate? How do you build trust in a relationship? Because he'd also cheated on me numerous times. How do you have a healthy relationship? All these things were pretty foreign to me. And I was dating for a long time and just like never seemed to find a guy that I just hit it off with. And then I was starting to wonder, like, is it something wrong with me? Like, I'm just not finding any guys that I have that spark with or like that feeling of like, I enjoy being around you and I can always have interesting conversations with you. I just couldn't find anyone that like really seemed to to just check my boxes or to to really just give me that feeling of like, this is someone I'm excited to go into a partnership with because I was really trying to break that cycle of dating people and having boyfriends that weren't serving me and to have a boyfriend just to have a boyfriend. I knew that after that last relationship, I needed to become comfortable without a guy in my life and be comfortable with who I was as a person. So I was dating around. And at this point, I was very much in that mindset of like, oh, I I need to find a partner that makes me feel good. I need to find someone that gives me some stability and shows me a healthy relationship. And so I was coming from this place of like, oh, well, I need this because I have lessons I need to learn and I need to control this outcome. Right. You've heard me talk about that before. Because I need to. Prove to myself that I can be in a healthy relationship and that I've healed from this trauma around my slut shaming. So then I find this other guy and we have a lot of mutual friends in common, but it was really exciting because he was the first person that I felt interested in, in this whole time of dating. And it was someone that I was actually excited about potentially dating. And I was like, Ooh, maybe this will be my next future boyfriend. And I was getting really excited and having those like butterflies, you know what I mean? Like just those feelings of like, oh, this is exciting. This could be something new. And I felt myself getting, really getting my hopes up, I guess, about the potential relationship. And he seemed just as interested, which was a really great sign for me. I was like, okay, great. This is mutual. There's attraction here. I'm really excited to see where this takes us. And then after a couple weeks of us texting every day and having phone calls and scheduling dates. All of a sudden, he just goes silent on me. And this was probably my first experience of getting ghosted. Actually, no, it was my second experience of getting ghosted. And I was just like, what the hell is going on here? And I finally got him to respond. So I guess technically it's not ghosting if you finally get them to respond. But this was like a month later. I hadn't heard from him for a month. And then finally, I was just like, you know, I understand if this just isn't working out, but I just think the respectful thing to do is just to give me some explanation. 
or at least just say, hey, I'm just not feeling it. That's totally fine with me. I'm not going to react negatively to that. I would just respectfully like to know. And he responds with, well, I met up with my friend so-and-so, and as soon as he said her name, my face went hot. I was I had that tingling, like anger feeling and, and just sheer panic. It was one of the names from my Bible study group that started the rumors about my slut shaming. So here I am in college, several years past that initial situation, right? This was probably six years later, maybe seven years, actually seven years later. And he mentions her name and then he's like, I just think that this just isn't going to work out. I I met with my friend so-and-so and I found out she went to high school with you. And so I just asked if you guys ever knew each other. And I just, I just, I got the feeling that maybe we're just not, we're not a good match or we're not in alignment here. And I knew exactly what he was referring to at that point. And I knew that somehow this person was still spreading this message about my impurity to anyone that will listen for some fucking reason. And so I was enraged. I was angry. I was, I also felt a lot of shame and humiliation. And because I was a younger woman at this time, I felt the need to correct the narrative. And so I started texting him and really coming from this place of desperation, like, well, I really hope that you don't listen to her if she said anything about this, that, and the other. And, and I was just like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but it's like you, you know that someone is spreading a false rumor about yourself. So then you look totally guilty because then you start trying to correct that narrative instead of just letting it go. And then, so I became that woman. I came from a place of desperation. I was just like, well, you can't listen to her if it's about this. Like, it's totally wrong. I don't think that that should be the reason that you and I aren't talking anymore. And ultimately, he was just like, let's just part ways. I was obviously crushed. I was like, this lack of purity in my history has come back once again to just bite me in the ass. And I've talked about this in other episodes before, but sometimes when you don't learn a lesson the first time, the universe just keeps putting it in front of you until you learn that lesson. So, you know, as as much as that hurt and as much as that made me still deal with a lot of trauma, I ended up stepping back from that situation and be like, wow, I still have a lot of internal work to do around that. And I really need to figure out why this keeps coming up for me and what I'm not listening to, what lesson I'm not getting from this. And so I took several months again off of dating and I really let myself marinate with that. It's like, okay, what is my idea around needing a relationship? Why do I care about my history being slut shamed? Why am I still impacted by people that believe that narrative? Why do I feel the need to be a people pleaser to correct that narrative? You know, all of these things, which basically came down to my need for love and self-worth. And that's really when I started applying those actual words to the issue. Because previously, I was like, I don't know. I just, I don't feel loved. And I didn't really, again, I didn't have the emotional tools or communication strategies to figure out exactly what my fucking issue was. I finally started identifying the core of why my relationships had ended up the way they had and why I was still viscerally affected by the shit that happened to me in high school. Now in my, you know, early 20s. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, you know what? I am, I'm really done at this point. Universe, I just want to let you know that I'm done dating for the time being. And I didn't really, I had still at this point, I was kind of spiritual, but very skeptical because of everything that had gone down with, with the people that I knew that were religious. And so I was just kind of like not really wanting to give too much attention to it, but just being like, you know what? I am done. I'm just going to let things happen how they need to happen at whatever time. And then later on in that week is actually when I caught The Secret on Netflix. (laughs) And that was my first awareness around this whole idea of manifestation. And with manifestation, it's completely our identity. It's not really something you have to learn. It's something you're constantly always doing anyway. And so that's when I started making this connection of like, oh, well, I'm manifesting the fact that this is a continuous issue for me because I believe myself to be a slut. So I need to work through that. And then I had this identity of I need love. I need to feel loved in order to feel worthy. And so long as I feel that need, I'm coming from that place of scarcity. And therefore, I can't find those partners that truly love and appreciate me. And I can't move on from that issue in high school until I really dismantle the fact that I don't believe myself to be a slut. 
And then I also learned all the positive things too. So I, I learned about, you know, really getting clear. Clarity was probably the number one thing I learned from The Secret. You know, I have mixed feelings about that documentary because on the one hand, it does have a lot of good messages. I think it's a great introduction. But on the other hand, it really only covers the law of attraction and it leaves out all the other manifestation laws and it makes it seem like you can just think about a mansion and then get it. So I took the positive nuggets from that show as well as the healing nuggets that I needed to take. And after that, I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to write down and get clear on the type of person that I want to have a long-term relationship with. And this is when I pulled out a piece of paper and I wrote down all the shit I wanted in a future spouse. And I had, you know, I want them to be emotional and I want them to be honest and loving and affectionate because that's really what I found that I was looking for in those other relationships. But I also want them to be communicative and I also wanted them to have a broad chest. I know that's like, I think that was like one of the few physical things I had on there. But I thought that was important to me because, you know, I had this idea around security. And I think that that really spoke to that need for security. So I see this list and I'm like, okay, this is for sure going to be the types of characteristics I'd like to see in my future spouse. And for me, I wanted that to be a man. So I, I put that on the list, put it away in a drawer, forgot about it. And I'll never forget like a week or so after that, I'll, I was in bed. I had some Arbor Mist and it was like my drink of choice at the time crying and just thinking about like how I'd allowed these relationships to affect me in the past and how I'd gotten to where I was and just trying to reflect on the messages I needed to learn. And at that point, I just completely let go and was like, God, you know, I don't know if there is a God out there or a Jesus or an Allah or whoever the hell you are. If you're listening to me right now, I am just completely giving up and just letting go. If there is someone out there for me, I surrender to you putting them in my life at the time in which they need to be here. And I don't give a shit when that happens. I'm no longer looking for them. So you just put them in my life when I'm ready. And you just let me know when I'm ready for that relationship. And I meant every single word. I was done. I was no longer dating. I was no longer looking for myself to, to put the pieces of myself back together through a relationship. I was no longer trying to tie my self-worth to who I was dating. So that night, I really, it was probably the most empowering night. You know, I let go. I let myself feel all the emotions I'd suppressed. I had a huge crying session for like hours. And that's when I really made that statement or that prayer or that ask or that intention setting with the universe, whatever you want to call it. And I just said, I'm ready but I understand that the timing is whatever you think it needs to be. Maybe that person's not ready for me because that can be a part of the equation, right? You might be ready for your spouse, but they might not be ready for you. And you both have to be ready at the same time. And that's okay. And accepting that is going to be a so much healthier place for you to be. And so I said, I understand the timing might not be right. You know what I want. You know what is best for me. So even if I have made this ask for what I want and you think there are a couple other things that I, sh I need more, defer to you. You know, this is your magical plan. All I'm going to do is stop trying and wait. And I'm logging myself out of all the dating apps. I'm no longer actively trying. You need to put them in my life serendipitously because that's just going to be the only way I'm going to be open to it because I am officially done looking. Like I could not say that enough. I was like, I am fucking letting go. And it felt so freeing. And at that point, I just stopped crying because I was like, wow. Okay, it's completely outside of my control. I give in to the divine timing, whatever that is, if there is a God. And I was like, and if there isn't a God, I think I could truly be happy not being in a relationship. So that'll also be okay with me. And I got to that place of feeling secure and just being happy being who I was. No longer needing to prove to anyone anything. So I will never forget that night. It was a very emotional night, but it was absolutely everything I needed. And it allowed me to get to a place of surrender. And it allowed me to get to a place of just trusting in spirituality or source or love or God. And what's, what's just so fascinating about that, too, is that, yes, I kind of knew about this whole manifestation thing, but I had not gone down the journey of really diving into this shit. I was just kind of like, cool, some documentary. I wrote down a list fuck it. We'll see what happens. I'm not wasting any energy on it. You know what I mean? Like I had my very skeptical father. I was like, I really don't know about this crap. Like probably doesn't actually work. So whatever. Forgot about the list. 
had my little cry sesh. And then about two weeks later, a really close friend of mine from childhood came over for the weekend and we did a little, you know, movie night. We had our Chinese food, got drunk off Arbor Mist because we were classy bitches on a budget. And obviously we got a little tipsy and she was like, okay, you need to go with me to a party on Wednesday. And by the way, I was still really battling anxiety at this point. So I didn't really go out and do anything. I didn't really engage that much in parties or in any social life, really. I wasn't involved in any organizations or sports. It was a completely different life than I was living in high school. I was overly involved in everything in high school, just trying to prove how perfect I could be. And then I got to college and I didn't do anything. I didn't join a single organization. I didn't give a crap about my grades. I was perfectly fine with a C if it was passing which is so the opposite of who I was in high school. And it's because I was coming from a place of, I just didn't feel like doing much of anything. I didn't go anywhere on the weekends. I didn't want to have friends outside of the people I already knew. I had no interest in forming new positive relationships. I only wanted to, I was honestly playing victim a lot of the time for sure. So the reason I mentioned this is because I would never have said yes to this had the Arbor Mist not been a factor and us being in a good mood of just like hanging out and, you know, the positive vibes are going. And I feel like when the, that happens, you say yes to things that you're meant to say yes to. And so I'm so thankful for her for getting me to that place and then asking me about this party. I committed and said, yes, I will go with you. No problem. I will be your wingman because she was very much interested in this guy that she wanted to go and, and potentially talk to. So I was like, I am here for you. Let's do it Wednesday. And then Wednesday comes, and I forgot all about this damn party. And this is just how cool I was. I was in a bathtub reading some, like, vampire novel (laughs) because that's just how exciting all of my evenings were. And to be honest, like, I still love getting in the bathtub with a good book, so not upset about it. But the whole point is, like, I obviously forgot this party was happening. My hair was up in, like, a natty little bun. Like, you know those buns you throw your hair up in to, like, make sure it doesn't get wet in the bathtub and then you start sweating and it just kind of gets real crimpy? And I had already been sweating in this, like, really hot bathtub. So my eyeliner at that point melting down my face and it's 6, 7 p.m. and I get a, a text from this friend. She's like, hey, don't forget about this party. I'll see you in 30 minutes. And I was like, Girl, I gotta be real honest with you. I forgot about this party. I'm in my bathtub. Can you find someone else to go with you? And she was like, no, you said you would go with me. You're coming. And I was like, I'll be real honest. I don't want to come. I don't think that's going to happen. And she knows that I had this app on my phone called the decision-making app. (laughs) This thing actually existed. Um, Unfortunately, the recent updates got rid of it. It's no longer around. So I replaced it with another app called Help with an A. Help, but with an A. Anyway. So she knew I had this app on my phone to make decisions when I didn't feel like making a decision. She also knew that I was very ritualistic with this app. Whatever the app said is what I needed to do. Because I took this as like, I couldn't listen to my intuition. So serendipity is going to play itself out in this app. And that's how I'm going to use my intuition. So that's a little pro tip, by the way. If you struggle to listen to your intuition and you're like, universe, tell me what I need to do, what the best decision is. Go get that app and then just do whatever that says, because that app has honestly led me to like so many smart decisions that have been life changing. But I don't know if I let my ego make that decision. It would have been the same. So she's like, pull out your damn app and put yes or no for the party. And I was like, "Okay, fine. Yes means go. No means I get to stay in my bathtub. She's like, "Okay, fine. I'll wait. So I put her on speaker. I open up the app. I put it in. Hit go. It spins. And it's like, yes, go. And I'm like, God damn it. She's like, yes, I know. It said yes, didn't it? I was like, yes. So I get out of the bathtub. I throw on a t-shirt, some jeans with holes in them. And they're not like the intentional holes either. These are like they got holes in them because of gardening (laughs) and some converse on. And quickly brushed out my hair. Didn't even try to straighten it. My hair is naturally wavy. So like I knew that this was not the most attractive look for me. Took my fingers, ran them under my eyes to get rid of the mess or to get rid of the the eyeliner mess that had happened, had no interest in touching up my makeup, had no interest in like putting deodorant or perfume on. Like I was just like t-shirt, jeans, converse. Let's just fucking do this and get it over with. Really coming from the place of like, I don't want to socialize. I don't want to 
engage in any of this. And I'm not really looking for any men. So you know what? I'm just going to go. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to try to enjoy myself. And then I'll drive my friend home after, you know, she's good to go. So she picks me up. We go to this party. And I literally am walking into this frat house party, which I had my own issues around frat guys, which I can go to in another podcast. But I did not like them because of some experiences I had as a freshman. And so I walk into this party. I'm stuffing a muffin into my face, literally, because I'm starving and forgot to eat something. And I bring my own bottle of wine because I refuse to drink their trash can punch because I'm just like super skeptical of these guys. So we're sitting, she's talking to the guy friend that she was with or that she came for. And then I'm sitting here just angry, like, okay, well, the least I can do is start to enjoy myself. I'm going to open up this bottle of wine. And I didn't bring Arbor Mist because I was like, I need to at least appear as though I'm somewhat classy. So I can't bring a screw bottle off. Like I got to bring something with an actual cork in it. It's still like an $8 bottle of wine, but I was, it was like twice as much as my Arbor Mist. And so I start looking around for a wine cork opener and I'm going through all of these drawers. And just imagine this girl at someone else's house. It's a big frat party. Everyone's having a good time. And all of a sudden you see this chick who like clearly doesn't give a shit about her appearance when all the other girls are in rompers and stilettos and wedges. And, you know, they're done to the nines. And I'm just like going through every single drawer, hastily looking for something. It looks like I'm robbing them. And this guy comes up to me and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm looking for a damn wine bottle opener and I'm not seeing one here. So clearly this place does not have a wine bottle opener. And he was like, well, I'll help you look. And I was like, don't worry about it. I have a flathead screwdriver right here. I'm just going to pry the damn thing out or push it in. One of those two things is happening. And so he just kind of stops and looks at me. He's like, well, I got to see this happen. And I was just like, oh, my God, I don't want to be talking to anyone. I really just wanted to sulk in the corner with my wine and, like, be on my own. But he seems like a nice guy. His energy seems nice. So I was like, okay, fine, sure. I'm opening up this bottle of wine. And then he was like, okay, well, that was pretty impressive. You know, let's talk. So then we started talking about, you know, our interests and all of these things going on within our own lives. And we just seem to have a lot in common. And I was kind of like, huh, this is interesting. This guy checks a lot of these boxes on my list that I wrote out, including the fact that he has a very broad chest. But I was still just kind of like, you know what? I'm not trying to force anything. I'm just really not trying to get into a relationship right now. So let me just have this pleasant conversation and then we'll be done with it. And so then later on in the night, he's like, hey, would you mind? Actually, what's funny is I ended up dancing with a friend of his and I didn't find this out until later. Um, but apparently his he went up to his friend that I was dancing with at some point during the night and was like, I called dibs back up off. There's something with her like I need to explore where this goes. And his friend was like, you can't call dibs, da-da-da-da. If she's interested in me, she's interested in me. I was not interested in anyone, to be fair, which was, like, hilarious. And this guy was just like, no, dibs. I am going to ask her to play beer pong. And once I do that, if she says yes, then you have to back up off. So his other friend was like, okay. So this guy, being Evan, comes up to me and says, hey, will you be my beer pong partner? And I'm just like, oh, God, that's, like, the most trashy thing I can do. Sure. You know, not thrilled, but... Yes, I will play beer pong with you. So point for Evan, right? We start playing beer pong. We actually have a really good time. It's rare that I can play a game with someone when I'm really competitive and they don't get irritated by it and or join in. So that was nice. That was definitely like a compatibility win in my mind. And later on, well, and then we actually end up winning the game, which is like beyond me because I was so terrible at beer pong. And thankfully, he was great at it. So that was fine. He ended up winning the game for us with the help of my friend that came with us. She had a celebrity shot and won us the game. So it was one of those things, too, where I was like, huh, well, that was kind of weird. We seem to be very compatible from my game perspective, which I know sounds hilarious, like using beer pong to determine like who, you know, a future good spouse could be. But <laughs> Whatever. So anyway, he asked for my number that night. I give it to him again, slightly reluctantly, but was like, you know what? It really was a good conversation. If nothing else, I could use a, a good friend in my life. I don't have many good friends right now. He seems like someone that I could enjoy having a good conversation with. So I give him my number and then I just, I honestly forget about him. And he starts following up with me about a week later. He sends me a text. He's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know I had a great time with you the other weekend. I'd love to do it again sometime. I ignore it. I'm like, okay, whatever. He texts me again a few days later. Hey, let me know if you'd love to get together for dinner or something. I'd really like to take you out. I didn't respond. He called me a few days later and I gave him the runaround. I was like, oh, I have this test. I have that. I have this. Really not a good time for me. 
calls again a, f- you know, a few weeks later, same thing. I give him the runaround. Oh, I'm going to Houston. Then I have to do this, that, the other. Just really, really not interested. And it's funny because the right people that the universe is trying to like beat you over the head with like, hey, this is your person. The universe gave someone like Evan, who's usually pretty impatient, gave him all the patience in the world for me <laughs> because I turned him down. I can't tell you how many times because I had this mindset that, no, I'm waiting for the universe to just like give me the person and I'm really not, not trying to look or force it. So in then doing so, I was saying no to the person that the universe kept trying to put me in touch with, which is hilarious. So. Again, my impatient now husband was given all the patience in the world in order to pursue me, I guess. And I, at that time, was dancing for a dance company, and we had a performance at the Performing Arts Center in town. I invited everyone on my Facebook group because, you know, you can select your entire friend list and send them all an invitation. So I did that, and I was friends with him on Facebook. Didn't even think that he would go at all. Like, even though he'd followed up with me several times since then to go on a date— I was like, clearly this guy's gotten the sign by now, right? Anyway, the day of one of my performances, the the first one actually, I get a text from him. And he's like, hey, I came to your show tonight. It was sold out, so I watched a little bit of it from the gate. I'll be back tomorrow with the ticket. I went ahead and purchased it in advance. Would love to see you. Let me know if you can spare some time afterward. And I'm just like, god damn, this guy, (laughs) like... He will not quit. And I was finally just like, well, shit, if he's going to show up to my show and and twice for that matter, since tonight's show is sold out and went ahead and preemptively bought one for tomorrow, then the least I can do is just say hi to this guy. You know, and he's honestly a nice guy. It's not like I had anything against him. So the next day I go, I meet him. He had flowers for me. And then he formally asked me to dinner that weekend. You know what? Yes, I will go out with you. You've really put in a lot of effort here. I have told you no how many times. And, well, honestly, I hadn't told him no because, you know, if we're getting into, like, consent here, I gave him the runaround. I was like, well, not interested. Maybe later. I never officially shut him down just because I I wasn't sure what I wanted and needed. So anyway, he kept pursuing me, kept pursuing me. We finally go to dinner, and it's just, like, the most amazing conversation I've ever had. We connected on so many levels. and. I still didn't know that he was the one for me. I would say because of how guarded I was, I didn't allow myself to get there immediately. Talking to him now about it as my now husband, he told me he knew from the very first date that we're going to get married and that this was like, this was it for him. I'm really glad that he had that sense of security about us because I didn't have that sense of security. I didn't have that love of love at first sight feeling that a lot of people have. And I know so many women in my life that have been in fear of their own relationships, wondering, like, is this the right person for me? Do I want to spend the rest of my life with this person? Because we have this fucked up idea from Disney princesses that our prince is going to come out of nowhere. It's going to be instant love at first sight. And we'll just know when we know. And it wasn't like that for me. It was really a gradual process of me being like, is this someone I'm very comfortable with? Is this someone that I could be excited about having a life with? Is this someone that I think will openly communicate with me and be open about their emotions and be vulnerable and support me in the ways that I need to be supported? Yes, 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 and yes. And these are all the things that I said I needed in order to find a a partner that I was willing to commit myself to long term. I was tired of that toxicity, that that toxic, quote unquote, passion, right? I feel like so many people misinterpret passion for toxic relationships. And then that's what they're looking for. And it's what I was looking for because it's all I'd ever known in relationships was toxicity. So that's what I was attracted to. And Evan was none of that. He was stable. He had his shit together. And so that part of my brain just wasn't recognizing him as being a good match because I thought that our relationship lacked passion because it wasn't volatile. And then I had that moment where I was like, this is fucked up. Like I am questioning our relationship because it's not volatile. So it probably took me about a year for me to be like, okay, I think this is the guy I want to marry. And this will be a story for another time. But I basically went to Backpack Europe and really had to figure out if he was someone that I did want to marry. And ultimately, the answer, obviously, giving it all away was yes for me with Evan. And so I think back on it and I'm like, okay, 
really what it came down to, the real reason why I manifested him is because I started doing the work on my emotional trauma ahead of time. And then I finally got to a place where I really did just let go and surrender and said, fuck it. You know what I'm looking for. I wrote it down on a damn list. Just bring it to me when I am ready. And then I went to that place of letting go, letting things happen the way they needed to happen, probably a little too much because I, again, if he hadn't been so pursuing of me, I probably would have missed out on having him. So anyway, that's just all the things I needed to do leading up to it. And I tell you this long story just because I know that not everyone's story will be similar, and yet you all have your own traumas around relationships that you need to work through. So maybe you have an issue with a parent or some sort of other trauma in your life around relationships. And my message for you is make sure you've worked through those things before trying to, you know, quote unquote, manifest this partner. And really, if you're really trying to manifest your partner, you're doing too much. So ask yourself, am I comfortable being who I am? Am I comfortable learning how to be on my own and loving of myself? Because I can't manifest the pure person that's on that energetic level that I want that is going to love me if I don't love me. So those are the real questions I had to ask myself is like, do I love me? Do I think I'm worthy? What is my idea around self-worth? All of those things. And as I mentioned, it wasn't a perfect process. These are still things that come up for me every once in a while. But more often than not, I operate from the perspective of, yes, I'm worthy. Yes, I'm loved. Yes, I'm confident. Yes, I am all these things, X, Y, and Z. And because I operate from that more often than not, that is why I was able to step into the place of knowing that Evan would eventually come to me. I just didn't know when. And the universe gave him the patience to continue to pursue me. <laughs> and what's funny is now talking about the story with him, he was like, you know, I didn't really believe in this whole manifestation stuff. And he's like, but I in every way manifested you as well. He had a similar situation where he'd had a very serious girlfriend who was very toxic in her own right. She was someone that needed to have a man provide for her because it's what her mom had always had. She was someone that had to have multiple guys on the side at one time. And she would see those guys in addition to her current boyfriend. I mean, just a very toxic individual that was so insecure that they felt the need to have backups for everything. And then she would tell Evan that you'll never be able to financially provide for someone. You'll never find someone as good as me, blah, blah, blah. So he had his own trauma around that. And he really spent a good three years working through that before he found me also. And what's funny is both of us were dealing with those things. And he had a few less serious relationships at that point throughout as well. Same thing. He wasn't finding anyone he had a connection with. And he had a couple people where he thought there might be something there and then it wasn't reciprocated. So it's kind of scarily similar how we had a lot of the same experiences before we found each other. And then he finally got to the place where he was like, you know what? She's going to come when she's ready to come. And I'm just going to put that out there. And what's so funny is our timelines for getting to that place were so scarily similar. Like he probably got there about a month before that party, which was around the time that I got to that point. So and then when he found me, he was like, I just knew he's like, for whatever reason, I just had this like feeling that you were that person. And so, again, I'm so grateful, grateful that he had that experience because then he was able to really continue to engage with me and be like, this, there's something here. I know there's something here. And he, he was so confident in the fact that he knew our relationship was going to work out that it gave me the confidence to be comfortable and to explore what I needed to explore in order to figure out whether or not this was the relationship I wanted long-term. And he gave me every ability to do that. So I'll have to tell you all about the Europe trip later. This is already a way longer podcast than I thought it was going to be. But I hope that you were able to learn a little bit about me, my story, and really what ultimately led to my manifesting my partner. And that was, I can't say it enough, just really loving and becoming comfortable with who I am and letting go and letting God or letting love or letting the universe, letting whatever that essence is to work on my behalf and provide it when it is the right time. And when you can get to that place of knowing and you can get to that place of comfortability, knowing that it's coming and it will be the right person for you and not coming from that place of desperation and neediness, that's when the things will come in that will provide that person for you. So it's stepping out of that resistance. You're getting into your own way when you come from a place of like, I just really, really, really want this person. You have to get to that place of surrender and you have to get to that place of letting go, which I'll do a whole podcast show on this as well. Just the art of letting go. 
because that was really such a critical point in my manifesting my now partner. So I hope you resonated with the story today. And if you did, please send me a message on Instagram, send me an email, let me know what resonated with you. And if you have any other topics or stories you'd be interested in hearing more about, always love to get feedback from you guys. And another way you can give me feedback is by rating or reviewing the podcast in either iTunes, Spotify, whatever program it is that you use. That tells me which episodes you're really enjoying and what the show is doing for you, which will in turn help me figure out a production schedule and and figure out what topics to bring you guys. So really appreciate every single one of y'all. Thanks for tuning in and I will catch y'all next Monday. Until then, go out there and manifest some miracles. Thank y'all so much for hanging out with me today. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe so you can stay up to date with new episodes. As always, we would love it if you would share this episode with friends and family who could use the inspiration. As a new podcast show, we would really appreciate your honest feedback so I know what you like and what you could use more of. As a thank you for leaving us a rating, we will send you our seven weekly tips to create space for abundance. Make sure you screenshot your review and email it to us at hello at the T-H-E modernmanifestation.com so we can send them straight to your inbox. If you'd like to stay connected, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Modern Manifestation, or you can head to our website at themodernmanifestation.com. Thanks again for joining me, and I will catch y'all in the next episode.